Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. Really excited for the episode today with Tia Stone. But before we get into it, I want to give a shout out to Exact Health. I love this app. I really do. Exact Health is a sports physical therapy app for the most common running injuries. The app simplifies access to professional and customized physical therapy without long waiting times and costs. We know how important that is, especially the waiting times. My gosh, sometimes it takes so long to see a good physical therapist. Understandably so. They're good for a reason. A lot of people want them, but it can just be so exhausting. That's for sure. So for over 15,000 runners have already healed their running injuries like Achilles tendinopathy, plantar fasciitis, or meniscus tears. With Exact Health, the plans are designed by the sports physical therapist team, and they are based on the latest scientific research, and that helps you guide through the rehab process. Besides injury plans, Exact Health also offers a prevention plan for runners. And goodness gracious, we would much rather prevent injuries than treat them. And that's exactly what Exact Health is thinking. Their plan is specifically designed to help runners to adopt good movement patterns and improve overall strength and mobility to prevent running injuries. This is so huge. They got videos all over the place in their app. You got to go check it out. It's in the Apple Store, it's on Google Play Store, it's free. There's absolutely no downside to this. Go check out Exact Health today. Again, in the App Store for Google Play and for Apple, Exact is E X A K T. That's E X A K T. Exact Health. There's also a link in the show notes. So go check it out there. Now, Tia Stone. We had this conversation a year ago, and I normally, I don't like rerunning episodes. Um, I mean, re airing them, I should say. <laughs> um, but. I had to I had to do this one. Okay. Last year Tia Stone ran Chicago and she had run been running marathons for a very long time. She's a masters runner uh in her uh early forties. And she's been doing this a long time. And she think finishing finished sixth last year at Chicago as a masters runner, sixth masters runner, which is remarkable. And if you recall, last year Chicago was really hot. And I was so excited to talk to Tia for a lot of reasons. One of them being how did her last 10K become her fastest 10K on a course that it was so hot outside. I mean, it melted so many runners. Well, wouldn't you know it? She went and just had the exact same kind of pacing performance today at the London Marathon. She was out in London. Her last 10K was faster than her first 10K, while the weather was not nearly as bad as it was in Chicago. This woman's putting on an epic performance of how to pace herself. And the fact of the matter is, a lot of people who are listening to this episode are going to be running a marathon soon, right? This is coming out on October 3rd. The next two months are chock full of marathons. And for like so many people, you're probably hoping that you run your best marathon. And oftentimes, people go out and they just hope for that perfect day. And they kind of push it more than they should in those first 12, 13, 14, 15 miles in that last 10K, you can really suffer, especially if the weather is not in your favor. All of a sudden, you're in a situation where you're like, well, I planned on running eight-minute pace. I want to be Q, or I wanted to run eight-minute pace. This is what I've been planning for. I know I can do it, and weather be damned, I'm going to give it a try. It's tough. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. That's a tough thing to do because ultimately... The weather has an impact, and being able to adjust to that is going to be to your benefit. And Tia has shown time and time again 
the exact right way to do it. So I had to re-air this episode for that and for so many other reasons. If you heard this episode last year, give it another listen. Believe me, it is worth your time. If we can hear from great people all the time, we should do it. And Tia is one of those people. This is your first time listening to it. Congratulations. You're in for a great one. So let's get into it with Tia Stone. Tia Stone, welcome to the podcast. Hi. I am so excited to chat with you. You were on a show several years ago with my good friend, Lindsay Hine. And that was the first time I learned about you and all the awesome things that you were doing. You are still doing awesome things constantly. I actually re-listened to that episode about an hour ago. It was so much fun. It's so great to listen to you guys. Oh, thanks. (laughs) That was a fun one to do. And I'm just glad to be here this morning. So thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. So you have run many marathons in your life. One of them just happened. So you just ran Chicago. And my goodness, Tia, did you run super well. All right. So you've run a lot of races. You've run races in all different kinds of conditions and weather and hilly courses and flat courses and all of that. What was the how did you perceive the weather situation during Chicago and how did you you know look at it in the days preceding the race as it seemed to be like the forecast seemed to be going up like one degree every single time Getting I checked worse it. every time I checked yes um so Chicago was my 28th marathon and definitely by far the worst as far as heat conditions I knew I've run Chicago once in 2015 had a great race um it was a PR for actually several years I 258 something. (laughs) So I was really glad it went well, really good weather that time. So I knew the course very flat. That's what, you know, draws a lot of people into doing Chicago and heading into the race. I honestly had my best training cycle, even though I started the year January 1st, tested positive for COVID. So an awful way to kick off 2021, which had me out for six weeks from running. Wow. Um, I, All right, so we'll, we can we can dive we can make, we can definitely dive into oh, that okay. <laughs> for I mean, sure. That was uh, just to kind of start my whole training cycle. That I did register for Chicago <laughs> during my recovery, as far as a hey, I'm going to kick this, get back into shape, and um, had my doubts when it took me so long to get back into running. But I really I came back, I eased back into it in the spring, and then this summer really kicked up training, and it kind of surprised me. Maybe the break was good for me being down for, you know, taking a big breaks. I usually don't take big breaks like that, but I had a great training cycle and some of my fastest workouts, things just fell together. My, you know, long runs and there were no injuries. Those are all kind of things that pop up when you're training and just, it came together. And so I was really going into Chicago thinking, I think I can, you know, 255, 256, I'm going to really finally break that 258 (laughs) time right there. And then, and I try not to, you know, worry about weather, but as it came to like two weeks out, 10 weeks, you know, 10 days out, once you can kind of start seeing, I'm like, okay, I'm going to check. And then I was like, whoo, hold up here. First, it was like 60s. And I start thinking, all right, well, the humidity is lower because I'm training here in Arkansas and all my training's hot. It's always like 100% humidity, 99%. No matter what time I go out, it's it's always humid. Um, so I'm like, okay, I can still do that. And then it was like every time I checked, it was <laughs> going up, like you said, a little bit warmer. And 
even the dew point and humidity. And so I, I really um, got nervous. And I'll just say I've run, my mind immediately goes back to even Boston 2017 was warm for me. Um, I ran one here in Arkansas. It was actually in December. <laughs> We'd been, I'd been training in the 30s and 40s. And then it was like a fluke 24-hour mid-60 to mid-70s um, weather just for the 24 hours of my marathon. And that was a few years ago. And that was awful, mostly because I wasn't acclimated. So I've done warmer marathons, but nothing to the point of Chicago. I mean, when I woke up that morning, of course, the first thing I do, I pull up the weather app, you know, praying for a miracle. And it was 74 at the time. And I thought, oh God. okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm about to go into a marathon. So, I mean, I've done a lot of talking here, but I've got a lot of, you know, I had really thought about it over beforehand with, with my coach and with my sister and um, our friend Tessa that we were also staying with. Um, so I had a lot of thoughts on weather and pacing, obviously, is huge. So I don't, and fueling. So I don't know what you want me to kind of dive into on how I went tackled a marathon, knowing it was going to be hot. Um, yeah, you know, let's let's we'll definitely hit there because it's, <laughs> it was interesting. To, I want to get your pers perspective first on the conditions, right? Because it's like. You know, it's it's interesting to see how some people approach it. And obviously, we've had Chicago's that have been canceled mid-race because it hit 80, right? And all of a sudden, like, that wasn't so removed from the table when you wake up at 74 degrees and it's 5 o'clock in the morning. I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's middle of summer type early, yeah. early morning conditions. And that's really interesting. All right. So let's go back to the beginning of the year. Like, you know, so you and you, you had. You talked about this as well over on Instagram that you had COVID. And when you have, you know, as we know now, the preponderance of people who are in your age range, with your fitness level, with your just general health, for the most part, aren't significantly affected with COVID very often, mm -hmm. right? The vast majority of vast majority of people are not. With that said, that did not seem to be the case for you. So would you mind diving into exactly how oh, you man. felt and how you felt about how you felt? <laughs> because you probably read like, oh, it doesn't affect people like me, but it is affecting people like me. Oh, yes. I, of course, I was very... Like most people in 2020, um, I was very nervous and scared about getting it. I started off very extreme, I mean, with everything, being paranoid uh, with masks and washing. I mean, I was washing groceries. This was earlier. I mean, I was everything you can do. I remember that. And yeah, you're like, boxes stay on the, on the, yes. boxes stay on the steps for 24 was, hours. We're doing all this stuff. Yes, I was, I definitely erred on the side of being very cautious, but then the reality is I'm living with five other people and I, when we were all quarantined and home, it was one thing. I mean, I'm trying to control three teenagers going out and what they do. And then it, when school kicked off last August, uh, so um, yeah, August of 2020, I, I really had to kind of let go of some but basically control. I mean, you can't, I can't control what five other people I'm living with are doing all the time. I mean, they were wearing masks, masks at school and um, cautious, but they're going to football games and cheering and cross country. And my husband's teaching also at school and he's also police in the community. So he's, I mean, encountering lots of people and we're, it just got to where I'm, we're doing the best we can. And there's a lot of just faith. And, you know, if we get it, we're just going to have to deal with it. 
Surprisingly enough, as cautious as I was in my family, I was the first person, and as far as we know, the only person who got it. I got it right during Christmas, right after Christmas, positive on New Year's Day, and I was basically self-quarantined in my room and I'm that's still the you know, weakest, with my That's the weakest Christmas present I've ever heard. Oh, awful. And the worst way to start the new year, I had all these, you know, fitness goals and things were, you know, hey, it's going to be new year. And uh, that's where I was. So I, one positive, I was home resting a lot. I've always wanted to read Harry Potter books. I blitzed through the entire series in just a few weeks. Uh, a now huge Harry Potter fan. I had obviously- oh, we're gonna we're pivoting now. This is no longer a running podcast. We are now yes. squarely talking about Harry Potter. Now I'm yes. just kidding. All right, keep going. I'd, I'd seen all the movies, but now I was like, okay. And so one of the things that we did after I would finish each book, once I was no longer just in my room and I could venture out into the house, um, we would go through a movie with the family. Like they're like, okay, which movie or what book did you just you know finish and what are we seeing tonight? So we went through all the movies after I read the books each one. So that was kind of a fun thing we did as a family. And honestly, if I hadn't had COVID, I don't know that I would have taken that time to, you know, you're just home. You really can't do anything. You've got to ease back in to life. Um, and my sister also had COVID earlier than me, but she, just going from what in everyone's experience is different, but she said, well, she rested. And about three weeks after she was back to easy running. And so in my mind, I'm like, Okay, I'm in good. I went into this really healthy, good shape. I mean, I was running the morning I tested positive. I ran eight miles. Um, I just knew something was a little off with my throat, but it progressed really fast. Um, and you know, as a runner, like, you know, when something's just off and wrong. And so, I mean, I knew even when I was running, I'm like, there's still this like little tickle in my throat. And then a few hours later, it was much worse. Fever, I mean, all within like eight hours. So it, it was pretty quick. Um, but the recovery took a lot longer than I thought. Um, even as a healthy person going, you know, eating good, exercising, um, I'm usually on top of, you know, sleeping and all these, all these different variables. It just completely knocked me down. And I thought I would be able to start running sooner, but at three weeks when I started, I, you know, full body achiness, almost like the flu. And so I waited a week, tried again, same thing. Waited another week, same thing. So it was on the sixth week, I thought, let me try walking. And there were no body aches. So there was like a week of just walking. And then I slowly, it was like two miles, slow jogging. And we, I built up from there, but it really humbled me. And just, I really thought, okay, I've got a, I'm starting at nothing. And I had just registered for Chicago. And so in my mind, I thought, I don't even know, maybe my goal is just to finish it and just celebrate, like I'm able to run 26 miles again, because that was something so far from when you're laying in bed, barely able to move because every movement is uncomfortable and in pain. And so, um, just to come back to running was good. And so I really had no expectations this spring. Um, but then this summer, I ran. Can, a I, can I stop you oh, there? Yeah. yeah. Because you mentioned you've run 28 marathons. You ran your first one in college. But then you took like eight or nine years after that until you ran your second one. So you had 
a lot of marathons in the, the decade preceding this conversation. So was this the first spring that you haven't run a marathon in a very, very long time? Oh, yes. It, I guess it was in like 10 years. I have not, this is a long marathon break for me. I mean, usually it's like uh, three or four a year. I mean, one or one or two in the spring, maybe one or two in the fall. It just kind of works out. And this was a big break for me which must have been good. <laughs> you know, look how, you know, how things I needed that. So. And how how was it for you mentally? Obviously you lost your physical release with the running and and, and things like that and obviously there, there's you've people can have more releases than just physical activity, but it's a big one. It's a big part of your life, right? You've been doing this for a very long time. Um, you're also, it's not like an injury because as you mentioned, like you're in bed, you're not feeling good. So it's not like, oh, I'm not running because I hurt my ankle or, and I, and I can't wait to talk to you about like dealing with plantar fasciitis, which I know it's something that you've d- dealt with in the past, but it's not like that doesn't affect like your day-to-day working with your kids and doing just the stuff that we do. This is, this feels like it could have felt a little different on that, on that end. Yes. So, um, it was very hard mentally to be when you're not doing anything, you know, the first part of coming back, it's like you, when you're running, you're just keeping up with lot, you know, everything in life. That's so much a part of, you know, who you are and what you do. And then when you can't do anything, there's a time where I'm like, boy, I don't even recognize myself right now. I'm not at all active. I'm not doing anything. I'm, um, you know, just eating and just trying to recover slowly. And that's just part of, you know, coming back. I also had gained over from my, I think my last big marathon when I did St. Jude in fall 2019 during all of COVID quarantine and then having COVID and injury, like 10 pounds, which isn't a lot for, but when, you know, when you're running and, you know, just thinking, okay, I've got to at some point get rid of that if I want to get back to competitive um, racing. So that was just something else. And definitely just missed, (laughs) missed running and missed, you know, being active. So just coming back to where I was, I just had to ease back into it because, you know, with an injury, but even COVID, there were so many things of coming back too soon and things you heard about. There's like different heart conditions. If you tried to come back too quickly and I, really wanted to be cautious. So even when I came back to running slowly, I waited another six weeks for lifting and any kind of um, any kind of strength work. So that was even so longer. So the, the nightly 100 push-ups were put on hold? I stopped the push-ups. I stopped everything. So I eased back cardio slowly. Then another month and a half was strength work. And I had really built up a lot of good strength work before I had COVID. I mean, I was probably doing more than I ever have running. Um, I had like a separate like strength coach for the first time ever and was trying to really get work well with running and strength work. And so everything stopped. And then I, you know, ease back into running. Then finally I felt in a place late spring. I'm like, okay, I can start that back. So I slowly started that again. Um, It came back quicker than I thought you know, the first time doing push-ups after a three-month break was like starting completely over. It was like, okay, I'm back to girl push-ups right now for a little bit. And, you know, building back up to five, then 10 boy push-ups. And that's been probably my number one core. I've 
since 2011, I think um, 2012 has been push-ups. It's just something I can do from home. And and now I've, you know, I've added on some other things, but that's like my go-to. If I've got a few minutes at night, it's like, I can do push-ups, you know? So that's just something I can do at home without going anywhere and an easy one to add in. Oh, absolutely. So um, as you finally get to the point where you're no longer concerned, all right, like I'm not, um, I guess the, the concerns of coming back too fast have been waylaid. You've now crossed that hurdle and now it's just a ma- matter of building. I think one thing that a lot of people, a lot of runners, they worry about is these these breaks in these times off, whether they're voluntary or involuntary. And, you know, what's going to happen to my training and things like that. And you hadn't had an extended break in a while. You have four kids. You've had plenty of breaks in your life, but not in the recent past. Talk to me about getting back to the point where you were, because I think what one thing that people forget, and I don't want to have this to be too long of a question, is that getting back to where we've been in the past isn't exactly the same as reaching new levels, that those are two very different things. Right. I did not want any pressure um, as far as coming back too quickly or workouts. So I, for the first time, I've been working with the same coach since 2015. I mean, he is great. Mark Hadley with Rundoyan, he's he's been great for me. We, I've really not had breaks, like you've said. I mean, I've had plantar fasciitis, which we might talk about a couple different times where it's been maybe a month off and I might, but I'm cross-training a lot. I'm able to do other things. But this was a hard break with COVID. There is no cross-training. There's nothing. Um, so... For the first time ever, I mean, I I reached out. I'm like, I'm really going to, I'm having to take a break. Don't even, there's nothing I can do. I mean, everything on my schedule would just say rest, (laughs) rest, rest, rest. So there was nothing. I first time ever took a big break. And even when I was coming back, like you said, where you're not worried about COVID as much, I was still coaching myself. I mean, I, I also coach runners, so I know what to do. It's just nice to have that accountability, really helpful to have someone else, but for the first time, I was just like, okay, I'm going to add in a little bit of, let me throw in some 200s or some minute pickups and just to see how my body responds. So there were no expectations on pace. It was just, how do I feel after? Will these body aches, I just want to make sure they don't start up again. For me, that was for some reason, it wasn't my heart or breathing. It was just these weird aches. <laughs> so once that was okay, Another few weeks went by. I even did a like a trail race in the late spring. It was actually like a half marathon, but there were no like time expectations. It was just to do it. Um, and it went well. So then after that, that's when I kind of started to re- I reached out to my coach again and I was ready to get back into training. But again, I didn't think, will I be faster? It's it was really just he's just going to have to start with where I am and see. So it was kind of surprising um, when things started to get better a lot quicker than I thought, because when you're in your (laughs) forties, coming back from any kind of time off, it might only be like a a week or a few days, but it feels like months (laughs) because your body just doesn't come back as quick. Like when I was in college, it was like, I could take off a month and within a week or two, it was like I was back to where I was. And things don't work that way anymore. It just takes a lot longer to come back. Um, 
that I guess that's just life. I don't know how you feel with when you're. Well, you're also faster now than you were in college. Maybe that's part of the process too. That's yeah. There's it's that was also surprising. I when I hit forty, it was like this whole new master's mindset of okay, what can I still do? And so that's why 2019 was just such a great year with with racing and trying to hit fast times. Um, so I don't know. I didn't have the same passion and desire in college that I do now. So I think that I probably had the talent. I just didn't, you know, care as much. And I was a little bit at the end burned out. So, um, yeah, it's been fun. It's been a, a new challenge in my forties. And at this point, I'm just hoping I can keep enjoying it and keep doing it as long as I can and stay competitive. It it does get harder. Times aren't coming off when I see new runners, like their PRs are like, they're knocking off chunks of time every week. Or even my son, he's running 5Ks now in cross country. He's in ninth grade and every week is a PR, you know, for him. And I've, I'm happy and excited for him. And I think, oh, it's to be at that age again, when, when every race is like that, it, it's just there's no, in his mind, there's no limit. It's like, yeah, I'm going to break 18 next. And then next year I'll break 17. And then like every, he's just in his mind thinks, yeah, it's unlimited. It's so. all comes with experience too, right? Because it's not like, I mean, if you set a PR every race oh. for, for 15 years, <laughs> yes. you'd be a 115 marathoner, right? Yes. Like at some point, yeah, there is at some a, point the that. linear process of, of improvement is no longer linear. <laughs> well, and that actually, that was the 2015 Chicago. That's where I had hit my PR. And then it was several years for the first time I was not setting PRs in marathons. It had been like a consistent I don't know, four or five years where it was like every marathon happened to be a PR. Even if I didn't race well, um, then I made mistakes. Even Chicago 2015 being one of them. My last 10K of that race, I went back and looked to compare this year's and, and that year. And the last 10K of that race was a struggle um, with slowing down, with not even really enjoying the last 10K. And so going into this one, it was okay, I am going to run smarter. That was my big goal. I knew I couldn't control the weather. So it was like, okay, what can I control? Um, running smart, pacing, <laughs> fueling. There's There are things I can control. Um, and so, and af, you know, when you run 28 marathon, you, marathons, you learn things from each one and you, you, you take something that you've learned from each and try to, what can I do better this time? And there was definitely an an advantage to having experience for me this time. I mean, had I encountered this, this race five years ago or three years ago, I, I would not have gone into it how I did this time. And so because I've had other races that have not gone well, <laughs> I really learned from them. And so I think I went into this one more I don't want to say paranoid, <laughs> but a little very cautious and very conservative than any other marathon. Um, and for the first time in years, I went into it with a sub three, not as a goal. That was not, it was obviously a huge goal training up until two weeks before. And I kind of just threw that out the window. It was um, run smart, enjoy it because I did not enjoy the last 10K the last time I did Chicago. And I really wanted to enjoy Chicago. And um, 
see the city, the crowds, feel the feel it all. So, um, yeah, that was different. Yeah. So you also had a novel, not novel, but fairly new experience of drastic improvement as you're progressing through this marathon cycle. Not like, all right, can I can I get back to the form I was just at or maintaining? Right. You've had so many marathons so close together for such a period of time. On some level, it's just like, hey, let's just keep the maintenance going, right? Short recovery, maintenance, another race. Short, you know, maintenance, you know, short recovery, maintenance race. What was it like to be in the situation where again, once once the health part is is to the side and that's no longer a concern, and it's just about how fast can I get? What was that like to like all of a sudden be gaining fitness by leaps and bounds? Like you just mentioned, it's been a while since you were in that situation. Yeah, it was really different. And as far as even racing, usually I've got so many tune-up races. There really was nothing like that. I honestly didn't even have a tune-up race. I'm trying to think I ran a 5k with my son two weeks before, but, um, I did run a, I mean, it was 5Ks. That's not really a marathon tune-up run. Um, so no, no half marathon was thrown in there. There was nothing. And really because it was August, it was timing wise around here. There's, there's nothing when it's that hot for good half marathons. So I just went into it with good training and really just with the belief, like, okay, I've hit these really good training times in hot weather. I feel like this should equate to a pretty, pretty strong marathon. And when I would compare times like workouts, I'm like, well, I'm hitting faster workouts. I have this one workout. It's, I call it the beast. Oh, um, I want to hear about this sucker. I named it that a few years ago. It basically, it's your warm up and then three sets of three mile repeats, but they're more, they're faster than marathon. It's more like half marathon or even faster. So LT, I mean, it's, it's a harder workout, but it's three sets of those with a three-minute recovery jog between. And when I first started get doing this workout uh, several years ago, I it was like a 50% success rate. <laughs> I would tank. I mean, it was not good. I just didn't know how to pace it right. I would get too cocky. I would start, you know, it just... So I started, I was just like, this is the beast. I've got to, you know, get this, <laughs> conquer this beast. So I started... And that it seems to come up, it's like once or twice each training cycle for a marathon. And I mean, weather can make it really hard. Different things can be tough with it. So I, I had the beast this year. I actually did it twice. And my last time I ran it, it went better than it ever has before. And it was warm weather when I did it here. Um, and when you say better, do you mean like your execution or the times or both? Both. I mean, I started... My first, my first mile for me, I think when I did it was like 630, but then the rest were all 620s or under. So it was very strong for me. And I felt really good about it. I thought, okay, if I can do this here in Arkansas in August and September, surely in Chicago, when it's going to be perfect, <laughs> I can really, it'll come together perfectly. So, um, yeah, I went into it really confident, even though I did not have tune-up races, if that makes sense. And having that big break, I think really helped because I cannot remember a time I've had that much uh, recovery and rest mentally, physically, which I always, you know, you know, is important, but it's so hard to do when you get into like running and, and I love racing. I, 
am very active in the Arkansas running community. We have this series that's like 20 races and you get points for different ones. And it's, um, you know, a great way to be a part of the running community and, you know, different cities around Arkansas. But because of COVID, it was basically put on hold for most of 2020 and all of 21. So that really caused me like, okay, I don't feel like I need to run those races to get those points or, you know, for the series. I can really just run ones that are open that I want to do. And so I've done some different things this year and definitely not raced nearly as much as I was with the 30 plus some races, 30 to 40, you know, races a year. I don't know what I was doing. I've, I lost count, but it was very different the last year. So. Wow. So you, you have these, all these workouts that you've done over the years on similar routes, right? Similar roads and, and, you know, similar designed workouts where you'll be able to say, this is how I did prior to 2015's race and 2019's race and how am I doing this time? So you have this buildup like you're able to say, okay, well, I know with a pretty with pretty good results here exactly where my fitness lies compared to where I was in previous races. So you're heading into Chicago and it must just have been so exciting for you to not only to come back all the way than you had in the past, but to get ready for a race that you, again, you said before, like you didn't quite have the last 10K that you wanted to. So when, as you're preparing for this race, at what point does it go from, okay, I'm not like super competitive here in terms of like your will to like have the best possible race into like all of a sudden now you're like, shoot, man, that might be most of I've ever been, period. Like at what point did your mental framework switch from like, hey, I just want to finish and all have a good experience to like, no, this baby's, you know, a race now. <laughs> well, I definitely in when I ran the 5k in July that went surprisingly well, I thought, wow, I might be coming back sooner. I mean, this is going better than I thought. And then as the training cycle progressed, it was it was going really strong and it really did start to creep in my mind like this could be my best marathon, surprisingly. You know, I didn't think it would go this well, but just based on my training and how well it was going, um, comparing same routes and, you know, different work, same situations, but just doing these workouts, I thought I could do this. So it did help motivate me to really stay with it. I, I got a little bit sick, just like a cold, maybe a month before the race, um, but was able to bounce back from that pretty quickly. So in my mind, I thought, okay, as long as I can stay healthy again until the race, and it went well. Um, so honestly, this is like the, this was the best training cycle despite coming into it, um, with no expectations. It really surprised me, but it was as far as no injury, um, just workout wise, fitness, strength. It, it all came together. And that's something that, you know, when you're, you spend months training for something. It's it sometimes it seems like a miracle if it all comes together at the right time, and it really did for Chicago. So, um, just very thankful that it did because it really set me up for making the best out of a tough situation. Were you able to take anything from this training cycle that you can use in future training cycles? Um, yes, uh, mostly the mental part, <laughs> um, just being tough in workouts and 
being able to do things. And for me to like hit my best workout times at 42 was very encouraging. Um, it, it kept me motivated. And then even during the training, I mean, I've, I've run a couple like Chicago in 15. I did San Francisco marathon that was in July. So I've had some marathon training cycles that were in the summer, my least favorite time to train for a marathon. <laughs> so even when I did Chicago, well, especially for, considering where you live, I yeah, mean, my goodness, even when I did Chicago last time, I thought, I don't know that I'll ever run Chicago just because again, because I don't want to train doing all these long runs in the summer in Arkansas when it's always 70 to eighties, like hundred percent humidity. The dew point can be 77, 78. I mean, it's 78 just, dew point. Oh, I've had some oh workouts. Oh my god! Yes. Oh my in the, god! In the heat of the summer, I don't think I've it, ever seen over seventy-four. That is insane. Oh, no, it's not often, but there have been. There's some workouts, and I'm like, how do I even run these mile repeats right now? I mean, you completely adjust everything, or see if <laughs> you know what you can do. But there's, it's just not fun to train for a marathon. You know, when it's it can be so warm, so you have to adjust and get acclimated. So one of my takeaways, I would say, was. Um, it gave me a mental toughness for this past one that, okay, I did all my training in this. I can do this. I know this, this, my body's used to this and ready for this right now. Um, it, so that gave me a, a mental toughness for Chicago. At least I thought if there was ever a time in my life to run this marathon, this is the time. <laughs> it's not like I'm going into this in the spring or, you know, if I've been training in great weather and um, ideal conditions because I hadn't been training in ideal conditions. So it it set me up for if there was ever a time to do this, now is the time. So that was kind of my motto going into this. And um, and my, I guess my takeaway for other future races is just that I can, you know, you can always do more things than you think. You can do hard things and just training and then the mental piece to running Chicago. I learned from that. So. All right. Let's talk about racing smart, adjusting to the situation and not just the weather conditions and things like that, because one of the situations is all of a sudden you feel like you're the fittest you've ever been. And that can be a really hard thing to let go of in the moment and say, okay, it's one thing to race smart when you're underprepared, right? Like yeah. I'm getting ready for CIM. I didn't have the training that I wanted. Like <laughs> I'm not going to be going out there blitzing the first half. I mean, like I'm not setting myself for that, obviously. Yes. However, when you've had this unbelievable training cycle, your fits you've ever been, it can be really hard to let go of like the PR feeling type thing. So let's talk about all things going into race preparation in terms of, you know, again, pacing, nutrition, and all the things to set yourself up for success. Because let me just you know, we get people prepared here and they will have heard the intro by this point anyway, but you ran an unbelievably strong race in terms of preparation and how you were able to finish strong. I mean, I could not believe it when I was tracking you in real time. It was just awesome to see. I couldn't believe it while it was happening. So <laughs> if that helps any. Um, yeah. So when I'm packing for the trip, obviously I knew the weather were down to like, I left on a Friday morning, the race is Sunday, Thursday night. I'm packing up my suitcase and I have, I call them my magic shoes, my Nike, um, whatever those, the new ones are. I waited forever to get them. Do you get the, and... the alpha fly or the, the next percent? 
the next okay. the next percent. Okay. So I finally got those after they've been out forever, but I got them <laughs> um from a running store in Little Rock and I that wear them for my good workouts and big moments and I had planned to wear them in the marathon. But when I saw the weather, part of me thought, oh, should I even bring these shoes right now? Because this is not going to be like the race I wanted to. The race I've trained for for months, I'm not going to have because I know I'm adjusting my pace. And so sub three's out. I'm just going to um, see my sister because <laughs> she's from Connecticut. I don't get to see her much. I mean, honestly, I even thought about backing out of the race. So I thought about should I even go? Because what, you know, I've spent all this time in this great training cycle and now the weather's going to be bad. And I know, you know, not that I'm not an elite runner by any means, but I know like other runners, when you've spent months preparing for a great race, if it is going to be, you know, horrible weather, do you still go? And my sister was coming. We had the hotel. I had the flight. I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to go no matter what, we always have a great time together, what regardless of the race. So I wasn't, but I wasn't going to even bring those shoes. And my husband was like, "No, bring your magic shoes. <laughs> you need do it. You need you're you're fit. You're ready for a great race, no matter what." And so he really encouraged me. And he's like, "I think I wrote about this in my Instagram." But he just was like, "You you you can't control obviously the weather, but there's so many other things you can do." To he knew I was prepared. He's like, "You're ready for this," um, and. As far as pacing, so that's a huge part. Um, so when you're going for a sub three, and I've I've been in this mode now for six years, so I know it's like, okay, you're locking into the 640 to 650 pace zone. That's your marathon, um, what you're pacing in during the race. And when I saw the weather, my coach seemed pretty optimistic that it's like, no, you're gonna be good with a 650 to seven. And in my mind, though, I'm almost too nervous about blowing up. Um, where I was like, oh, I don't know. That still seems like, what if I can't? Or what if the last 10K just completely, you know, gets me where I'm, you know, stopping or cramping or, or whatever? Because I have run marathons where it's, you know, gone up in the temps at the end and I've had cramps. I mean, I've had all those bad experiences. And they've just like left such a bad <laughs> memory of like, okay, I don't want that to happen. So I thought, okay, maybe I'm just going to do sevens to seven ten just to start off and see. Um, but as I mentioned, I was meeting my sister. We were also meeting a good running friend of hers, Tessa Durbano. Um, and she has gone sub three at least once, Her, I think her most recent. And so she was planning to go out because of the heat, she was going to adjust to 650s to seven. And she seemed pretty confident that, you know, no, you, you can do this. I mean, like I've had more race experience, but I just, I felt like I was a little more nervous about the weather than she was. Um, so she kind of helped, you know, bring me back to no, you're, you can, if your coach is saying that and she, we even offered, I don't know if I was like, well, maybe if we pace together, I have run some marathons with pacing with people, not the entire way, but good portions. It does not happen often because I feel like for your pace and someone else's to line up perfectly, you don't know, you know what they're going to experience during the race. So I just thought, well, we'll see how long we can do it. But I was supposed to start in a different corral um, 
But I thought, well, if I can pace with someone, I was going to be in the American Development Corral. You can always move back, you know, a corral instead of someone moving up. So I, she was an A. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go with her and A. And she seemed really, you know, it was great to her to have someone to run with too. And so our plan was, let's, let's go out. Right, She said right under seven. So when she said that, I was like, okay, seven sounded so much better than 650 <laughs> mentally. And then even with fueling, I've never leading up to the race with it being this warm. I've, I drank a lot of water going into this training cycle. I tried to really half gallon almost to a gallon, like, but even the weeks leading up was at least a half gallon a day um, or more. And then right before the race, I felt like I was very on top of water before, but during the race, I did something I've never done before. I even carried a bottle of water because Tessa, she's like, well, I'm going to have some water to start. So I'm like, okay, I might just do that. I can always toss it if I- Do you carry water on long runs? I do on long runs, but whenever I do marathon pace, that in my mind is always like, oh, I can't carry water for running fast. That's like my mental, like, so I would like either set it and pick it up or run loops so I could pick it up. Um, But if it was like an easy pace long run, then I'm like, yeah, I can carry water. I don't know how you are when you're, you know, doing your long runs, but there's something about in your mind about like, well, running fast, can I do that? Yeah. Yeah. That That's a great point. Yeah. It's, it's funny because I oftentimes do these mental gymnastics before <laughs> the run and then during the run, that never crosses my mind again. Like I don't end up, I don't end up thinking about it. I'm more like, ah, do I want to listen to this song right now? Or like, should I keep on this road or should I take a different road? Like I never end up thinking about it in the moment, but I will spend so much time thinking about it beforehand. That's, that is me before Chicago. I mean, like I was like overanalyzing everything you could think about the shoes. I mean, the carrying the water. I mean, other stuff during the race, Never thought once about my shoe, never thought about my, you know, the water. Miles went by and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm still carrying this water and I'm going a 650 pace. Like it can be done. I mean, it was, and then it turned into almost like a security thing. Like I'm, my arm was just so used to holding this thing. Um, I made it 18 miles <laughs> with carrying this little water bottle. Um, and I was, I don't know if, I don't know if I'm skipping to get into fueling, but I can talk about that. No, let's that do it. Too. Okay. So we had a plan, Tessa and I, and it was great having a partner with the same pace plan, same fueling, but we would, in Chicago was great. They would always have Gatorade first, um, then water, water station. And so our whole, because of the heat and we wanted to stay on top of things. And I normally never get this much Gatorade or water, but we were like every single aid station. It was okay. First we'd grab a sip of water or sip of Gatorade throw it down, run a little bit, grab a sip of sip or two of water, then toss it. Then we'd get another cup, pour it on our neck or heads. So we were like, hopefully it was water that you were dumping. <laughs> yes. I will say at mile 22, <laughs> I accidentally with Gatorade oh, God. went right into my right eye. It was awful. I have contacts. I was like, I could hardly see for a mile. I was like, do I just throw it out and finish the race? I mean, I've never had that experience. Um, yeah, that was Gatorade. <laughs> so <laughs> before then, the whole system was flawless. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was great. So we were staying on top of things. And then with my water bottle, I was drinking in between aid stations. So I was really staying on top of things. I will say I did not cramp once during the race. Um, it just, the miles were ticking by. We were like this pacing machine, like 
together. And we were from really mile one, we were, I never noticed anyone coming up and really passing us. We were just slowly passing runners more as every mile went by um, because we really locked into the 657 and Chicago's a race. I just had my watch going. I mean, obviously it was off a lot with, you know, there's some tunnels. She had her set where she was just set. Every time we ran past the mile marker, she was hitting lap. And oh, so she was going manual mode. Nice. Manual mode. And she was calling out the miles. So like we just had a system and I was like, okay. And she, she would like say out, like, usually she would only say the last part. She's like 52, 54, uh, 57. Or if we were fast, it might be 49 or something, but it was always like, we were right under 57, 58. Like we were always right under, um, no matter what. So it was great now. Right. And you're, when you're also, when you're running with someone, you never know like what they're thinking. We were not talking much. We were just like in the zone, um, you know, with our water stops, Gatorade, but right. She knew my aunt and uncle and cousins, like they live within an hour of Chicago. So I knew they were coming out. My uncle and cousin were actually running the race, but my aunt was going to be on course at mile 23 or 22, 22. Um, so before the race even started, I'm like, well, my aunt's going to be at 22. We were going to try to make it. And our goal as pacing together was like, let's make it to 20 together and just reevaluate if we wanted to pick it up or what. And because I was very nervous about going out too fast. So if anything, I wanted to go out slower, <laughs> which for most people, like you say that, but then they get out there and, and race, you know, you, you take off faster. But I guess the experiences of going out too fast in the heat made that much of an impact on me. I just wanted this to be a positive. Since I already wasn't going to go for my best time, I wanted this to be a positive experience and have fun, enjoy it, but still run well. And so that was kind of like going into it, my motto. And when I felt like six fifties was very good, but as good as it felt, I thought anything can happen in that last 10 K, you know, the wall can just <laughs> come crashing up and you, it can. So I just always had that in my mind. Like I am not going to pick this up any as good as I feel. I'm going to stay here. So at 19 Tessa, for the first time, she said, if you want to go on, and that was my first you know, indication. And we all that, know what that means. Yeah. When she said we that, all, I was like, we've, all, we've all said that to other people. Yes. It's just like, it's a really nice way of saying I'm struggling over here, but I'm going to, but I'm going to try to be nice to you and said, you can go faster. Exactly. When she said that, I mean, she was almost, if anything, it felt like a slight nudge in front of me. Like she was always like grabbing the Gatorade first, like getting the water first. I was just like very conservative in my pacing. But when she said that, I thought, is she not feeling well? What's going on? I thought she had this, like she was going to pick it up more than me. But when she said that, I thought, okay. And then I just said, no, we're going to make, I was like, you're doing fine. I was like, I really didn't want her to fall back because I, she was so good to pace with. And when you have someone that's like matching your pace, it's like amazing in a race. Um, So I was like, you're doing great to stay with, let's make it to 20. And then we're going to see my aunt at 22 and so she stayed with me. We kind of slowed at 21 to 22. Um, and then, so at that point she was like, no, go on. Cause we hit seven, seven oh one or something. It was like right over. And she was like, no, just, and I was like feeling really good. I mean, at that point I was like the momentum of it being like, okay, we're, 
like four miles are left. And then. Yeah, you don't have to take it easy at that point. It's like, all right, finishing is no longer in question. And when I run a marathon, you always have these mental checks of like, okay, your first 5K, your first 10K. And I'll be honest, the first 5, 10K, I was so nervous that it, the paces were okay, but it was, I mean, it was feeling good and doable, but I was just like, there's still so much more to go. And the very first time I ever ran Boston in 2000, 2013, there was Ryan Hall was, there was some kind of video. And I always remember this. He said, when you hit the halfway point from that, that's the first time you're, you're no longer counting up, you're counting down. And so whenever I'm in a marathon, I'm always like, get to that halfway point. Ryan Hall says you can count <laughs> down. And so, and it's true because you start, okay, there's like, you get to where it's like, you know, less than 10, less than nine, less than eight. And so I had all these check marks. And so when I got to that 22, I'm like, there's less than four. And I'm still feeling this amazing. Like I didn't see my aunt yet. I saw her at, she was actually at 23. Um, And when I saw her, I was waving. And that's when I started to like do the math in my head. And I knew when we crossed the halfway point, we were right over, we were like at right under 131. Yeah, you guys were 130.53. Yes. So it was like, I mean, I, in my mind, I'm like, well, I know we're not going sub three, but we're, we might do sub 305 if I don't completely die out, you know, in the last 10K, we might actually do sub 305. Um, just because I've run some, when I've, the ones that I've run that are hot, it can go from a sub three to like sub 310, 315. I mean, it just, you can really, things can really fall apart fast in the heat at the end of a marathon, you might be great. And then the last 5k can be, your paces can be off by minutes. (laughs) It's so true. People don't even know that. It's like you go a little too fast early on, all of a sudden, like your marathon pace, you you can add two minutes to it in a, in a mile, like, like so easily. Yes. And one of my goals when I run marathons, like, um, I want to be, I want to keep all my splits if I can with, I mean, within a five, 10 second range, you know, you paced it right. If they're all within 10 seconds, five seconds from your first to your last, you did an amazing job pacing. Um, and so I've had some that have gone well, like that 2019, I did St. Jude in December, and it was one of those pacing, um, it very, very consistent splits like that. It went well, but then in March of 2020, fell apart at the end there. So that was one of those that, and that was my last marathon I'm going off of before COVID. So, um, kind of this one, I wanted to be closer pacing wise. So that's why I really thought, okay, if I can stay under seven, maybe I can hold that through in the last 10 K. Cause I was more envisioning how I would be feeling the last five to 10 K in all of my pacing. I just had that in my mind. So when it was going well at the end, that's when I finally did the math and I should have done this. That's my only regret now is like, maybe I should have done the math a little bit sooner because, um, finished right at three hours and 24 seconds. (laughs) So there's that little piece of, could I have, you know, a few seconds here and there, or even the last 10 K Maybe, but, but even if you like dialed it back like three miles, it's still like eight seconds per mile for three miles is no joke. Yeah, and so when I finally did the math um, and realized that it was it was like eight seconds per mile the last five k, and but I was feeling so good, and so I didn't even rule out okay, pick up the pace to what you know what I needed here. I'm like, mm, can I do six fifteen, six twenty? 
I don't know. Because right, you, you, at the 26-mile mark, if you're looking down, you're like, I'm under three hours. I'm under yeah. three hours. I got 0.2 left. Yeah. I mean, so it really came down. And then even at three, I didn't know. But two miles left, I was like, okay, here I am. I'm, I'm going to try to hit 630s. And for when you're going out to sub seven, that's a big, that's a big jump there. Um, last mile beeped in at 631. And, but well, then I had, you know, there was extra in Chicago. I love that they do this. I don't know that all races, big races do. Maybe I, maybe Boston does this, but they've got like 800 meters to go 400. And when you hit the 400 meter, I mean, I was like, okay, I'm on a track, like picture. I've got one lap to go all out sprint. And I thought if I could run a, <laughs> I was doing the math and I'm like, Sub 60 second, yeah, 400 meters. Like, yeah, I'm not going to run a 60 second. I, mean, I, but I was sprinting. And I mean, I will say, and I'm passing so many people though, because that last 5k was the most fun of any marathon. Um, I just had, I had so much left in me. I felt so good there was even a point where I was like, there was a guy that was running fast and I thought, okay, since I can't run with Tessa, like Tessa was, had slowed down. I was like, I'll try to stay with this guy. I mean, I stayed with him for maybe um, two minutes. And then I was like, I can go faster than this guy right now. Why am I like setting that limit for myself? Like you just keep running. And at that point I was like, it, I've never felt like I was flying that much (laughs) in the end of a race. I mean, it was unreal for a marathon. Um, So that was so fun. I mean, for 28 marathons, that is the best I have ever finished. Just like feeling like, wow, I just, it was so great to just have that in me to finish strong like that. um, And to really kick it in, to be that aware of what was going on. And usually, you know, you're so out of it at that point, like you don't notice things. You're just in survival mode. I mean, none of that. There was no survival mode. It was like conquering <laughs> victory. I mean, this is it, the dream, right? This is the, what every marathoner yeah. hopes their last few miles will be, <laughs> as opposed to like this death march, especially in the heat. And, oh yes, my gosh, with the heat. And I think that might have even affected. Obviously, it affected runners more. There's not with me finishing faster, and maybe other runners not pacing it out so much or maybe cramping. Cause I mean, that even Tessa had a cramp. That's why she said she had to slow down when we talked after the race. Um, and she didn't even slow down by much. It was like, we were, she was a little over a minute behind me. No, so and, people, I, and I'll, and I'll say this, I'm going to refer back to her in a second again. Even she finished strong. So her last two K was six forty five yeah, pace. She picked it up and I told her something that helped me. I learned this strat, this a few marathons ago. I said in marathoning, you will have waves of, I'm feeling great. And then a minute later, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Like those are just waves that happen to everyone. Um, in one experience I learned, and I'm just referring to this because it helped me as a runner. In 2016, it was my, it was my first Little Rock Marathon win. But right before, oh, I think I had a 5K left to go. This really strong, fast, older master's runner came up to pass me. And I really wanted to break three hours at that marathon. Um, So I had told myself, now I'm trying to think if it was 2016 or 18, but regardless, (laughs) I told myself, stay with James. (laughs) Just hold on to him for five minutes and I still had, I mean, a few miles, but I couldn't even think in terms of mileage. 
I had to think in minutes. And so I thought, if I can make myself for five minutes, then I can slow down if I want. Like, I'll, but let's just try for five minutes as much as I'm hurting right now. So I did. I stayed with him for five minutes. And then at that point, we might have hit like mile 24. And it was, it was not comfortable, but it was better than it was when he first passed me. And I was still like hanging on to him. And then I thought, okay, stay with him for another five minutes. Just see. And by the time that five minutes wore off, I was actually feeling stronger than he was. And he, the mile over, like he kind of slowed down a little bit. So long story short, I ended up, I was, I finished ahead of him, but I would have never, that would have never happened. I wasn't even competing against him or anything, but like I, you had these waves of feeling terrible, but by making myself stay with him for a little bit of time, that wave passed and I was able to finish strong again. Like I felt better. And then also the mental piece of knowing, okay, a mile left, I can do this. Um, it's just breaking that mental barrier. Um, but so my thing is whenever you're in a marathon or any race, give yourself a little time goal, whether it's five minutes or two minutes or anything to get to a certain point of like, just hang with them or make yourself stay at this pace. And then you can always reevaluate. And so Tessa and I talked about that after the race because she felt better, you know, after we, she worked through some things during the race and, and I knew that would happen when she'd set at 19 to go on. I was like, just stay with me. We're going to see my aunt at 22. Like this way, this wave will pass. And especially it, you know, it will pass when you've got, you've had the training to back it. Like, you know, you can do this. There's just a lot of, you know, it's so mental sometimes and you'll feel bad, but if you can overcome that. So I guess that's one thing that I held that held with me. Cause even at the checkpoints at the beginning, when I was like, oh, I don't know, I've still got so far to go. It's like, no, you're going to do this. <laughs> this will, this will feel good. And it did. Not only did you do it, Tia Stone, you were the seventh Masters woman runner in the race at the Chicago Marathon. I mean, at a world marathon major, that is absolutely insane. We should say Tessa, she was eighth. She was eighth Masters woman at the race. Um, and is, that is a remarkable feat. And the fact that you were able to negative split a race like this yeah. for so many people, <laughs> you know, even like a six or seven minute positive split for a lot of people in that, on that day was like a win. For, for, for a lot of folks out there, it's, it really is a testament to not only your training and your hard work and your grit, but your planning as well. It really is so cool to see and, and uh, exciting as well. So before we get going, you've been so generous with your time oh. and sharing this awesome race story. I do want to talk about plantar fasciitis because it is something oh, yeah. that a lot of runners get, a lot of runners deal with, and they get so frustrated with it and understandably so. This is something that you have dealt with. So I'd love to hear basically how it has manifested or, or maybe even when it has manifested itself for you in the steps that you've taken to combat it. Yeah. So that's probably plantar fasciitis. Like my, the one injury, I think I'm probably more prone to it. So I've really got to watch out for it. I never had it in college or through several marathons, but then 2014 was the first time I got it. I actually tried to ignore it and I was in denial that I actually had it. Um, I was having pain in my heel, but I'm like, oh, it'll pass. It'll go away. Uh, this is, that's one injury you don't want to ignore and you 
need to start treating immediately. If you've got pain um, in your heel, stepping down, speed work, I mean, there's all kinds of, when you feel it, when you first wake up in the morning, I mean, that's the, the common time when you step down, that you, you feel that pain. Um, deal with it right away. I would say that's the biggest thing I learned from my first experience as to my other times I've dealt with it. Um, if I, any signs of it now, I'm like on it. <laughs> first thing. So tell me what that means. When you say you're on it and you're dealing with it, what, what are the things that you're doing? So stretching your calves is a big thing, like rolling out. I really like to roll. I've got different, like um, you can use like a racquetball. I've actually got like a massage hardball that I also use to kind of roll over my middle of my foot, heel a few times, um, but also just stretches um, for my calf different ones. What are some other things? I mean, I've done almost everything you can do, like even freezing a water bottle and rolling your foot over that. There's lots of little techniques um, that you can try. My last experience with it um, in 2020, in the fall, I do have like custom orthotics now. I don't, I wasn't wearing them in the marathon, not all the time, but like for some training runs I have, and I did a lot getting over it. Um, so I mean, icing your foot after a run, I also went through like using KT tape. I watched the video of how you, to help with plantar fasciitis, that's kind of how I transitioned into it. Um, I noticed certain speed works would aggravate it more like slow, like tempo marathon pace didn't aggravate it as much as like shorter, like 200, 400s, like speed work. Also another thing I noticed, like Running on a treadmill doesn't aggravate it as much as roads, the, the surface. So there's there's lots of different things I've learned over the years of uh, dealing with it. But the one thing I can just say is um, if you're feeling it, take care of it right away. Um, stay on top of stretching, rolling. You might have to back off mileage. You might need to cross train for a little bit. I mean, I was, whenever I first initially, you know, I'm like, okay, this is plantar fasciitis. If I can, I mean, I, I'll take off couple days a week fully from running and just cross train, you know, swimming, biking, whatever I, and then if I'm easing back into running, I'll mix in running with cross training, taping my foot, <laughs> doing all my stretches, icing after I run, um, just to get back to where, okay, I'm not feeling it anymore. And sometimes that process can be a couple months. Um, it just depends on how bad it is. The first time I had it was so bad because I had ignored it for a couple months that there was a point after a race, I was like getting back into the car after the race, basically limping to my car because it hurt so bad. And that was like the breaking point of, okay, I have to acknowledge there's something wrong. I've got to do something and <laughs> recover from this taking, I've got to take off time. And so I never wanted to get back to that point with plantar. So now I really watch it. Um, good shoes with cushion. I know there's different schools of thought on what people think about that. And I, I just think you have to do what's best for you. For me, I need that cushion and support. Um, I'm not running barefoot. I'm not going to be running on super minimal shoes when I'm dealing with that pain. So I Brooks glycerin, a six gel Nimbus. I mean, we've got some Hoka's that, you know, so I've got, I've got to have that support and cushion. And then I can ease back into more minimal shoes for speed work once I'm not feeling pain. Um, but if there's any kind of discomfort, 
or heel pain. It's like, I am wearing shoes of cushioning. I might be taping. I'm still icing. So yeah, those are some, I've also slept in like the night, the bright little brace thing, the sock. I've done all that. Um, those socks are so funny. They look like like, like, like yes. what you've seen. Like, remember the remember the grandpa in uh, Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory? It's like I imagine oh. like his socks like being tied around his knee. Like that's <laughs> that's what, what it's like. Yes. So I've I have done. If you Google like plantar fasciitis recovery, I mean, I think I've done all this everything you can do. Um, I've tried it all, and yeah, just when someone says they're going through that, I'm like, oh, you can get through it. You just got to be really patient, and you got to stay on top of things. So. All right. Last thing before we get going. One thing you mentioned to Lindsay four or five years ago when you were on the when you were on the pod with her was that when you became a master's runner and you record this, I think you were 38 or so, you said, I definitely have goals when I'm a master's runner. But one thing that you also mentioned is that you could see yourself running the Arkansas 100. I forget the exact name of the ultra marathon. But again, there is a large there's there's definitely a section of Arkansas ultra and trail running that is big. I mean, the editor in chief of Trail Runner magazine, Zoe Rome, is from Arkansas, and she did a lot of. I don't know if she's from there, but she spent a lot of time there and lived there for a very long period of time. So, as someone who has for over a decade run 60, 70 miles a week, and even hit eighty miles a week in training, getting ready for marathons, do you see yourself trying that out? I do. It really. It does intimidate me. There's, I mean, that whole scene, it's, it's a big race in Arkansas, the traveler, it's 100 race, 100 miles. It's first Saturday in October. So it was actually the weekend right before Chicago. I mean, all these runners I follow on Strava and are on Facebook friends, like they're all doing this. So I loved following their training. Um, and I do love, I love long runs. I love like higher mileage. That's, that is a piece that I feel going into training for an ultra would, you know, that's something I could do. I am obviously nervous about, I mean, it's a hundred miles. I feel like you're nervous just talking about it. Never mind competing. That's a piece, but it's right here. And I, it's one of those things where I think I would like to say, you know, know that I did that. It's one of those, I mean, even the first time I ever did a marathon, I thought, well, it's one time I'll say, I'll do it to do it. Bucket list. There's different things, you know, in life like that. And so I feel like it's kind of like that, but I don't know that I'm next year. I don't know that I'm quite there, but I would like, see, I always said 40 and then now it's like 45, but then these years start creeping up and it's like, well, if I'm going to do it while I can do it, I, I just needed to get in there and actually train. The big piece that makes me nervous is the injury. I don't know, you know, if could handle that or if what that would, the recovery wise. Um, and I also like right now running fast, (laughs) like trying to set PRs. And if I'm so close to setting a PR in the marathon distance, which I felt like going into Chicago under better circumstances, I could have, if I all of a sudden switch to training for a hundred mile race, will I have this opportunity again? So maybe, one more good marathon, (laughs) one more PR, maybe I can, okay, now I'm ready to commit to different training and, and doing this. So that is, it's funny you mentioned that because it is still out there. So I'm not (laughs) saying no. Wow, Tia. All I can say is this question really seems to be torturing you because I, I, (laughs) witnessing your body language as you're bringing this up, you're like, the whole time we've been talking for an hour, you're like, 
super focused. Yeah. You know, like just like I can tell, ever, ever since you brought I brought this question, you're, you're like your body is swaying all over the place. I can tell you're like, I don't know what to do. Yeah, it's 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 part of the when you're torn, you're conflicted on, okay, do I try to run fast, keep doing this, or do I try something new and different? You know, get out of your comfort zone of training. So good question. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. And I love to have you on. Again, you do so many interesting things as someone in your community in terms of advocating for younger runners. And you have four kids who are all extremely active. You were part of a family that was extremely active with, you know, you were one of five girls as well, all of whom were, you know, really getting into it from an athletics perspective and still do. Uh, So I'd love to have you on again. But this has been remarkable. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Tia. Oh, thanks for having me. Tia, thank you so much for coming on the show. Also, big shout out to Exact Health. Go check out their app today, E-X-A-K-T. There is a link in the show notes. Also, you can just go to the App Store, whether it's Apple or Google Play. It's there for you. This will help you prevent injuries and to heal from injuries, most common running injuries as well. This is an app for amateur runners, a free app for amateur runners. It doesn't get better than that. So thank you so much for listening and happy running.